Suki. ¿Qué pasó? Este, es un accidente aquí se me Hola. ¿Cómo estás? Bien, gracias. So, what we doing seeds. We try to go with original seeds, heirloom seeds, not the F1s they're more productive. We don't we don't care much so much about volume. Volume. Here we have habaneros and we have cauliflowers and then we have yerba mora. It's like a mulberry uh, and and then some kales and some corn and everybody's like working like a different ecosystem so they're um, helping each other to grow better. Oh shit. Half. Uh, just bite half. Just half of it. it. Just take a yeah, small bite of it. Well, I'm gonna have it all about it. Yeah. Yeah. This is called the electric flower. What? Yeah. What is happening to my mouth? Exactly. I Something have is so happening. Spilanthus olaracea. Yeah. Olaracea. Oh, what no. Just fuck? wait. Yeah, just wait. Because it's gonna start to keep tingling. You'll keep What's, salivating. Yeah. It's your. your Taste buds yeah. are, are are swollen. They're, they're yeah. starting wow. to be exposed. So you bite into this, a small bite. You put everything in your... You, you do a cleanse first. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's going to cleanse out the yeah. mustard, cleanses it out. Wow. It prepares your mouth for the next dish. So now you, you take an oyster and you explode it in your tongue against your palate. Yeah. All that uses, yeah. all that saltiness, yeah. all that creaminess, you're going to taste it to infinity. Jesus. So... Yeah. That's what and it's. I mean, it's crazy. It's like a little yellow strawberry under a bunch of yeah. pollen-looking mm. thing. Arugula, arugula. But you're, you're gonna see the yeah, difference. Yeah, the pepper's gonna just come out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. Jesus. By the way, necesito necesito flor para hacer bitters. No, for the cocktails. Really? We do bitters. Yeah. Does it have the same effect if you're not? Yeah, it does. It does. It's 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 lighter, but it, it keeps the effect. I thought it wouldn't. Yeah. But we, we've done it. So. The word milpa means different things depending on what part of the Americas you're in, but generally it means an agricultural system, a simple and sustainable combination of the three sisters: corn, beans, and squash. The beans climb the corn stalks while the squash shades the ground. Pure pre-Columbian harmony. Good for total nutrition, good for reclaiming poor soil. And it's one hell of a metaphor for what has been happening with the food scene in Baja, California. There's been a lot of poor soil in Tijuana over the years. Even before those years, when it was some kind of border war zone, one of the most dangerous cities on earth, it could be a spotty destination for eating out, better known for cheap pills and knockoff tequila shots. The tacos were always good, but the rest, even if it was very good, still got overlooked. But now there's a new milpa going, a complementary ecosystem of cooks and restaurateurs, producers and providers, brewers and doers. They're all a part of the reason that Tijuana reinvented itself in improbable ways before the pandemic. It's why the city is holding up despite the closed border and all of the other nonsense the past year has thrown at it. Wilfrano Ruiz, the owner of Sengro Farms in nearby Valle de Guadalupe is part of that milpa. The electric flower he grows along with the Japanese mustard and mind-bending chiles grown in the shade of fig trees 
are all part of the Milpa. You heard him in the opening audio along with the guest of this week's episode, Rufo Ibarra, a chef who overcame personal tragedy to become one of the leading restaurateurs in Tijuana, who still finds time to be a key member of the World Central Kitchen Relief Organization and other efforts to help the border now and always. It is a milpa, a system, an organized and diverse collection of individuals reclaiming the soil here, and I am rooting like hell for all of them. I sat down with Bufo pre-COVID in the gilded speakeasy that he built behind his restaurant Oryx Capital, drank a show-stopping cocktail with him, and talked about Baja food and the rebirth of his city. We did not know, of course, that the pandemic was coming, but you'll hear in this conversation the roots of his response to the lockdown, pivoting Oryx to takeout, opening a new Oryx Express, and continuing also to cook with heart for those in need. This is Nathan Thornburg, and from Roads and Kingdoms, you're listening to The Trip, drinking with exceptional people around the world. Cheers, man. Cheers. Oh, that's delicious. Yeah, a little bit more sour than. Oof. than oh, that's normal. super good. Yeah. So tell me, tell me what we are drinking. What is this? Uh, so this is kind of a version of a of an old fashioned. I think like any bar now has their own version of like the classics. Uh, but this is called a Zaragoza. So Zaragoza was a name that Tijuana before Tijuana was made. So Tijuana was a ranch. Okay. Rancho de la Tia Juana. Aunt Juana's ranch. <laughs> I did not know that. Okay, that yeah. sounds sounds like kind of made up, but that it's was it. Huh? Super made up, yeah. Tijuana's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm that gifted. I'm very, I'm very creative. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, <laughs> no, but um, so Zaragoza was the the name of the family that that got here. Okay. And uh, and that was supposed to be Tijuana's name, or or one of the names the official yeah. names uh but it never came to be so it lost out saragossa we lost us which is la frontera or something yeah saragossa de la frontera yeah <laughs> okay. i mean it's 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 a lot more spanish obviously yeah right right yeah. well tijuana is, is is its own thing man even if it's a reduction of uh anti-juana um <laughs> it's a universally known and admired name so what is in what makes this besides the name being old Tijuana's name uh, what makes it an old fashioned in well, your style Well it has uh it has Mexico at heart so it has mezcal it has mezcal it has um, a little bit of citric acid just so so you get that sourness out of there and that that uh the smokiness balances out with that with that uh note agave syrup and our house bitters Oh man that is so delicious. Well, this space is amazing, and, and we're obviously, you know, we're, we're fighting the, the blenders and the fridge fans and whoever's going to swing in out of the kitchen because it's yeah. pre-service now. But I think it's so cool to be in this space because just to be, like, actually in, in location, what you, uh, what did you call this? Your Disneyland or this something? Is my, yeah, this is my Disneyland. So, I, like Disneyland, I try not to visit too often. <laughs> Well, fair it, enough. It can get pretty expensive. Right. All <laughs> things in moderation. Yeah, of course. Uh, and so describe to me where we are. What, what okay. is this place? So this is our, our speakeasy inside of the restaurant of Oryx Capital. Um, and it, this is a, an homage to the golden age of Tijuana. 
Yeah, like literally there's golden, you know, Everything. sort of golden yeah. frames and there's kind of gold paint splash in these old yeah. photos. And, and the, whole, the, whole, the whole wooden work on the ceiling is gold leafed as well as the logo that we have on the floor. Looks like you had some like Burmese Buddhists come in here and just like <laughs> gold leaf, plaster leaf like they do in Southeast Asia. Um, it's ostentatious, but it's also muted and it's a nice, you know, you've got these like beautiful black leather couches why why is this sort of prohibition era like tijuana's golden age well that's that's when tijuana started growing uh back in the 20s and 30s uh when when the states prohibited alcohol and gambling and all the good stuff everybody start started coming to tijuana so we would have all these small cantinas and bars open up in downtown and then uh this grand casino so called uh, Agua Caliente. And Agua Caliente means hot water. So it was built over hot springs. Before it was like the tourism came for hot springs. So you can imagine there was no tourism. Right. <laughs> but as soon as we got a casino and all these bars open, all the celebrities, all the politicians, and every mafia guy was in Tijuana. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I you know... Not much of a businessman myself, but I imagine the uh, evolution from like, hey, why isn't anybody coming to our hot springs <laughs> to let's build a fucking casino on top of the hot springs <laughs> yeah. and then it'll be the most popular hot springs in uh, the world. Yeah, In the world. And this is the name of the boulevard is still Agua Caliente. This is still Agua Caliente. And uh, yeah, I mean, the other the only other resort at that time uh, that was that big worldwide, I think, was Monaco. So wow. it was that big and it was that luxurious and, and yeah, every, very over, over the top, to say the least. Well, it was crazy because, you know, just last week I was out in Montreal, which had gained the name Sin City, I think also during Prohibition era. Yeah. And it's crazy to be on the, you know, the fully other side of this border complex and just see how how our friends to the north and south have have made a good living off of our own vices you know <laughs> and appetites as americans for a very long time you still have them you, they're legal now though. <laughs> right yeah yeah you cannot build a cbd emporium yeah. uh, on top of the casino on top of the hot springs and expect that you're gonna get now a bunch of californians because they've decided to get fucked up at home yeah um which must be disappointing on some level kind of boring <laughs> that's right <laughs> Uh, they, they're missing the whole like travel experience of coming yeah. uh, coming over here to do it. Um, yeah, so you know what what the the nickname for Tijuana in that era was was uh, the Devil's P Playground, and the there's a book about it. Yeah, the Devil's Playground. That that's a pretty big statement. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You know, even when you were growing up, it had it. There were a lot of traces of that. I mean, this is yeah. kind of the Tijuana of the popular imagination is the place where guys go to lose their virginity, where they come to get super trucked and fucked up and, yeah. uh, and all of that. Um, that was still kind of a thing when you were growing up. Yeah, any, anything you couldn't do in California, basically, you came to do in Tijuana or Rosarito or Ensenada. So just getting fucked up. And, and especially because even if you just wanted to drink, you could drink here by 18. Right. So a bunch of teenagers just trashing the city, uh, basically. Spring break was like 
yeah, the, the trashiest time of the year. <laughs> yeah, well, that growing up in Key West, Florida, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm deeply familiar with the uh, <laughs> the Florabama Shore uh, principle. Um, but spring break, like uh, you know, Christmas is kind of stretched out into almost all year long. Yeah. Um, but so you and you would had family in the north uh, who would come down. So these are you know, American members of your family who would come down and, and experience Tijuana in that same way. Uh, yeah, exactly the same way. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't even know Tijuana that way until they came down and they were like, no, 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 you're doing Tijuana the wrong way. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I, I think I fucking live here. <laughs> Rufo, let's show, <laughs> let's, let's show take Rufo. you to the like, you know, tequila yeah, shots yeah, emporium and the, uh, bull riding and <laughs> yeah so tell me all right i'm gonna i'm gonna now uh, you're you're a classy individual we're obviously in your uh, gorgeous uh, bespoke and beloved uh, speakeasy behind your beautiful restaurant but i'm gonna bring you into the gutter and tell me ask you to tell me like what is a you know what's a crazy stupid american night in tijuana from like you know 20 years ago look like it involves a, a lot of a lot of drugs uh because you you can get almost anything here i guess yeah i guess yeah sure <laughs> sources tell me sources have tell have told me uh right and it's all cheap and it's it's and all cheap it's it's available especially uh back in the day at the tourist spots right because that 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 was essentially what they were looking for what so, they right yeah so just like a crazy ass bar downtown uh revolution street all the way down to like where the strip clubs are because the strip clubs here they're a thing. It's like, it's not crazy and dirty, but it's like going to Vegas. Like, it's right. like a three story high club. It's the Hustler Club on the West Side Highway of New York. I, yeah. You know, it's I, like I, the, I, the columns outside, the, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. the Greek theme, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Right. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, um, and then a lot of, I want to say urban legends, because I have no possible way of knowing if the whole donkey show thing is actually real the donkey show God, we never <laughs> we never did quite follow we did a lot of media around the superman of havana with another famous <laughs> sex show but that's right the donkey show is a was sort of a tijuana legend um and it's so all right so you have this kind of you're lining up from like drugs to and you know the tequila and, and revolution is like famously it's just some like weird ass grain alcohol or yeah spiked yeah. with you know you know whatever something that clean wounds and you know and so <laughs> yeah. on and then you're moving on to the strip clubs and then you you know just get sort of tossed back over the border yeah. kind of. by then i don't think you remember <laughs> right yourself being back home <laughs> right you're yeah. like how did i end up in san Clemente again <laughs> yeah fair enough so tell me what is the connection with your family so you you've got family on both sides of the border uh you've spent a lot of time up up in the states what's 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 the connection i guess between the two sides for you my on my mother's side and my dad's side there was always part of the family that either grew over there uh, was born over there uh my my grandma on my dad's side uh, was Amer not American, like Mexican American, and it's uh, the best kind of Americans in the best <laughs> among the best. I don't want to yeah, yeah, shut yeah, anybody yeah. out. Yeah, among yeah. the best but Americans there are, but I agree. Yeah, um, and yeah. So and and others migrated like by force, not force, but yeah, trying for, to survive from yeah, yeah. From, from difficult uh, circumstances. Uh, unfortunately, I was like 
in in a similar spot for a little bit when when Tijuana got really crazy and to like 2008 to 2010 define crazy this was at the so height of- this this was uh one of the most violent cities in the world uh we're talking like Syria right now like it was really bad a lot of deaths um and i'm guessing business was was complicated for the cartels because they went into kip- kidnapping and it was it was really 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 bad and we had uh unfortunately we lost i lost a brother and i'm sorry to days. hear that yeah, yeah um and and we crossed uh fortunately my 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 youngest brothers my younger my younger brothers are are americans they were both born in san diego uh so we crossed the border and it was easy for us right it was easy for us because we were privileged we had a we had a visa to just cross as tourists right and it, it, it made it easy so we looked for 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 a place to stay we had like like i told you i have family in california but uh, my mom felt a lot more comfortable with her family in Cherokee, North Carolina. North Carolina, <laughs> holler. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we crossed the, the entire state. Right. You didn't just cross. You crossed. No, we crossed. Okay. We crossed the states. And let me tell you, the 40 has to be the most boring highway <laughs> in the fucking world. <laughs> it's true. I think they have that on plaques all along Highway 40. <laughs> Although Highway 44 gives it a run for its money. But uh, okay, Highway 40, going to Cherokee. How much time did you spend out in Cherokee? Uh, about a year about a year yeah about a year in cherokee um beautiful but like most mexicans or immigrants that are in the states uh i had to work so day two fortunately i had i i got a job catering uh which was that your first time in a kitchen was that no 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 i was i was you were doing this all all the time yeah i've been i've been i've been behind a kitchen well inside a kitchen professionally or working at a kitchen uh, for four, 18 years now. Okay. So So that would yeah. have taken you like seven years, eight yeah. years before you had headed it to North Carolina. Mm, correct. Okay. Yeah. What's a catering job in North Carolina like? Uh, you learn to make uh, Indian tacos. You learn to make, well, I mean, barbecue. Indian tacos. Yeah. So it's like a, it's like a, a bread, like a flat bread. Like a fried, fry bread. Fried bread. Yeah. Fried bread. That's with, interesting. With, yeah. I mean, we just had an Indian taco up in a Mohawk reservation in Canada, yeah. but I did not think they would have, I mean, I guess Cherokee, North yeah. Carolina, that's kind of like, they've got to lean into the name <laughs> of their town. Oh yeah. Oh, they do. That's amazing. And I, it's you know, some crazy stories in Cherokee, it, North Carolina. We were, th- we were eating this Indian taco and thinking like, this dish might not do honor to either Indians or Mexicans. Not even close to it. I was like, it's like a, not a great taco. number one. That is not a taco. Number two, um, I don't know any any Native Americans that, that would make this right. thing. The, yeah. This is the this is their jam. Um, yeah, I know. I felt a very weird compunction because we had a Mohawk chef, uh, this woman Tiffany Deer, who was like, "Well, if you're gonna grab some lunch, you should go." You know, just get an Indian taco up at this place, which was also a poker room. Uh, okay. And yeah, I, it all I, sounds Native American. Yeah, I, 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 I <laughs> felt compunction to say that we were sent there by Tiffany Deer because I felt kind of homely ordering an Indian taco. <laughs> and I was like, it was my way of sort of like signaling that an actual Indian had told me to eat this thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't, but when it comes, it's like, yeah, it feels like Taco Tuesdays, you know? It's like yeah. a real. Um, a real yeah. bastardization of a of a of a cuisine, 
So how old were you? You were in your 20s then? I was in my 20s. I was uh, 20, 22. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you're in that in that mix and and your city back home is falling apart and you're away with your family and you're up in the States, did you feel like, fuck, is this like my life now? Well, uh, you're surviving. So one day you have everything you need, you are working, you're in school, everything's perfect and fine. And next day you're like in the middle of the 40, get to Cherokee, North Carolina or like Asheville first to get at least clothes for a week. So, I mean, go into Walmart, buy whatever you can find, like $10 pants and like t-shirt and whatever. I mean, just just surviving so you're not you're not thinking about what's going to happen you just think about resolving whatever you have in front at that moment in time so i was fortunate to, to have a job in two days not not being a u.s citizen and my brother uh went to to the casino and got a job as a cashier my my youngest brother went to high school so you kind of figure it out my mom started working with a with a cousin so we kind of figured out everything pretty quick yeah enough to to just breathe and 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 start to think and have a little bit of cash and just be able to survive and not not weigh too heavily on your family out there yeah and i mean i i gotta say it, it it was crazy to go all the way to cherokee north carolina but that helped also a lot because there's nothing in cherokee north carolina not even booze it's a dry town so you would have to drive 20 minutes to buy whatever and then come back it's so beautiful that it made you just detox and relax and and breathe because after something like this yeah that's i think that was that was a big help well you guys must have been you know if you lost your brother in in cartel violence you must have been grieving and like dealing with a lot of shit that wasn't just you know how we're gonna make money yeah yeah i mean especially for my parents because my dad stayed in San Diego. He rented a place in San Diego. He had to work. I mean, he's an accountant. He has a firm. So he had to be close to still manage the firm. So he would come back and forth uh, into Tijuana. Eventually. He started, yeah, he yeah. started from, from San, Di- San Diego. And yeah. people would cross and he would have his meetings on that side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but physically, your, your defense, like everything comes down. My mom got breast cancer like a year after that. My dad got um, arthritis. Oh, shit. Yeah, so... It's just these, like, kind of psychosomatic yeah, things. I mean, that's, it's, it's just a lot of fucking stress. Uh, I can't imagine... Like, I have a six-year-old. I can't imagine lo- losing a son at any point. Uh, and not knowing and just, like, having to move and like it's it's a lot of stress you mind if i ask what happened to your brother well it was it was it was difficult to say at last because uh they kidnapped him and and then we just didn't know because we weren't here it was at that at that point in time it was really complicated because the cartel was basically just looking for i don't know i don't i don't i don't know what they were looking for because they got into our house, it was it was it was hard. It was hard times. How old was he? Uh, you're younger than me. 
So he would have been like 20 or something. Yeah. Jesus Christ. How do you, how do you forgive a, a city after something like that? You know, like, how do you, how do you come back yeah. into Tijuana and just be like, all right, life starts again, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it would have been easier to go somewhere else. I even uh, did a stage and got a job offering in, in a two Michelin star restaurant in Spain. I uh, came back to San Diego, started working, got a couple of opportunities in San Diego. But I don't know, like, this is the, these are my roots. I love this city. I love being here. Even after all that, the city's not the one to blame overall, I mean, and, 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 and even less specifically for what happened to us. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm so happy right now. And, I'm, and that's why I'm extra proud of what we've done to with, with the city. To get one of the, the cities that was more violent in the world and turn it around to what it is today, and now New York Times, LA Times, talking about one of the top cities you have to visit worldwide this year, that means a lot. Tourism changed, everything changed. Yeah, you don't take that for granted. Oh, no. A bit on the backstory, as soon as I started communicating with you about talking to you on the show, you were just like, well, listen, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you around the town. I'm going to take you around. This is the things we're going to see. And like, we're going to go. And tomorrow we're going to go down to Valle de Guadalupe and all this stuff. It's like for someone who also happens to be running restaurant and business and like trying to do all the things that modern chefs have to do, which uh, include a lot of a lot of brain space it's pretty remarkable to me that also you're putting it on your own shoulders to make sure that you're a fucking ambassador, you know, for everything here. And that this is like the city that people get to see and, and hear about. Yeah. We, we try, we definitely try. And that's because the good and the beautiful part about the new Tijuana is that since all the tourism left, obviously when it got really bad because of violence and, and the, for security reasons, we started building businesses for friends, for locals, for family, for, for people we, we see every day. So there was love and a lot of detail into everything everyone was doing. And I think that's, that's, that's a good part of, of, of what happened. Um, it wasn't just a gimmick. You know, it's not like, yeah, come here, get fucked up. It's like, okay, it's a coffee shop and I, I, I want all the soccer moms to be here. So one of the soccer moms opened a coffee shop and then somebody opened a small restaurant because he used to make, I don't know, like fresh seafood at his house and everybody loved it. So, so all those details and all that love that went into the new businesses, people abroad started, started kind of got interested in all these places. Uh, a lot of flavor, a lot of love into every detail. Yeah, amazing how that stuff can be kind of uh, intangible, but yet very noticeable on some level. Like yeah. you know, if somebody is actually caring about what they're what they're putting in front of you, you know, what they're putting on the plate, how they put their place together, what they're thinking about, and it's true. Like you know, I after having dragged you through the kind of nightlife of the past, yeah. having also come from a tourist town that I where people go to forget their good Christian selves, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I also, without having the calamities that Tijuana's had to get through, like 
I can see the appeal of finding a new way of interacting, a new way of presenting yourself, if yeah. possible, yeah. Um, and a new way of understanding like how, like why you're attractive, right? You're not just attractive because you're selling pills cheaper than any, you know, any <laughs> Southern Californian can get it. Yeah, yeah. But it's because here's a place where rent is cheap and people are creative and, you know, and there, there's just like a, a, a freer mentality uh, to the kind of businesses that you're building. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So tell me some of the shit that you're excited about in town that fits that mold of like this, this kind of high touch, big love kind of culture that's growing up here. Well, um, we're world famous for our street food. Our tacos are amazing. And uh, we're having breakfast at one, at one of these at Tacos Fitos. Which, tacos Fitos. Uh, I'm so ready for it. I love them. So that's, that was one part. And then the the Placencia Empire started growing uh, with Dontana and then Javier just made it bigger and and we had two two contrasts so we had the formal like older age clientele more mature and with white tablecloths and then we had the taco stands yeah so then culinary art opens culinary art school opens and you start getting all these young talents uh that wanted to be creative and wanted to do more stuff and a lot of food trucks started popping up so you had i don't know like ramen spot and then like a hot dog like a sausage spot that's amazing right yeah um and it, and it got really, really, really interesting. That was a new generation. Yeah. So that's when Oryx, I decided to make Oryx. I got an opportunity to get this space. And I was crazy enough by then because I was like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not ready to open a restaurant, especially a big restaurant. And when I got the opportunity to open this one, I was like, I think I'm ready. Old enough. A little less stupid. That's <laughs> <laughs> the time. It's like just like five percent less stupid, yeah, which is gonna yeah. get us through. Yeah, through at least the first year. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we're in the middle of that market. What was the what was the concept behind Oryx? See, the the thing about being Mexican, but being in Tijuana, we're more American than we are Oaxacan. Uh, we are we're one step away. Right. So that culture. Um, it's that, super mixed. It's, yeah, it's super mixed. Like California, there's there's no way you don't get like fish tacos or at least decent Mexican compared to everywhere else in the states. Um, and and I I would go to San Diego, L.A., San Francisco, and and you see spaces that are kind of industrial, but you would get a good burger or good food. And a good cocktails, like good cocktails, good craft beer, because California has good craft beer, especially San Diego. I was like, why can't we get all that into one space? Why do I have to go to like a craft beer spot? Because we have good craft beer. Or if I want good food, I would have to go to like a fine dining, like old school restaurant. 
which is comfortable and a good service. Or if I want creative food, I have to go to a food truck. Like it, it was, everything was very specific, but there was not, not a single spot that had everything within. In, so you wanted to take all the good parts of the culture all, that have been growing up and like getting, getting it under. Ah, uh, yeah, all the good stuff. Like, well, you make it sound so simple. Yeah, <laughs> take, it was Take the good stuff and like bring it indoors. Yeah, uh, well, it was a lot of elements because there, there, was, there wasn't a cocktail scene yet. Mm-hmm. And, and that was big. So I was like, I love cocktails and I need a cocktail spot. And I had to build it. Which kind of sucks because you don't get to enjoy it as much. <laughs> That's um, right, because when you're in here, you're the boss. So, so Oryx opens, uh, you said, four years ago now? 2015, October 2015. You guys are having your anniversary party in a minute. Yeah, I had to push it because of all the shit that's going on right now. But, uh, but yeah. So what is going week. on right now? Uh, so we have the anniversary party going on right now. There's a, there's a lot of events. I'm working with a lot of charities, especially uh, that help immigrants. Yeah. And... Uh, and so there's a there's a lot of events with that, and I'm also relaunching the restaurant in 2020. So we're redesigning the interior menu, tasting menu now. Yeah. So so tell me about that. You had worked with World Central Kitchen, and we're doing all of these things. Why is that like an important part of your your workload? I guess here. Um, well. It has to do a lot with the story I just told you. I mean, I, I, I was privileged enough to be able to cross the border. Um, I could have asked for asylum. Uh, we just didn't because we weren't thinking that way. We were already on that side. And uh, eventually I came back. But when I see all these people that nobody's helping and then they get blocked and you're in the middle of it because I got a call from... Uh, World Central Kitchen, Jose Andres' organization, to see if I could help because they were looking for local chefs and local people to help. I was there every day from 8 to 2 before I came here. Uh, you got to see what really happened and to hear the real stories, not the show that I saw on TV where, where everybody was, was prepped for. Like, the border was prepped, the media was prepped, like everybody, it was like like a big production. It was like they were shooting a movie. It was ridiculous. It was stupid. And it was just like maybe 200, 200 250 people out of like 5,000. Right. So You wanted to lay eyes on the situation yourself. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and you hear these stories. I mean, it's, it, it was really bad. People really, really scared shitless. Uh, this lady was with two kids. And she's like, well, uh, my brother got killed. And so I brought his son and my daughter, and now we don't know what to do. I, we, at this point, we don't care if we stay in Tijuana, but we're just scared shitless. We're just afraid that they might find us here. And it's it's funny how how you hear these stories about even like the mafia traveling with them. Right. So there's always somebody in the inside. Some weird Mara dude is like yeah, in the group or something. Yeah. So. So I was very touched by, by a lot of these stories. And this is about humanity. And they're based out of L.A. It's uh, these three amazing women that started this organization a little over a year ago. They made a huge impact because now they're, they're, they're helping not just with, you know, food and maybe like tents or covers, 
they're they're helping with the legal process right yeah so like casa cornelia um, who are a nonprofit law firm and just just to have a lawyer there makes a world of a difference right real shot of getting asylum services that were also totally unavailable and kind of unreachable for these people yeah until they come it's it's, yeah it's not even and i guess you know it's also as a as someone living in tijuana tijuanero like their presence and and i'm i'm interested to see this over the next few days here but certainly from what I've heard and just the influxes and obviously it was more when the caravans were a a bigger thing, but there's still a lot of internal Mexicans coming up. Like, you know, this is like, this is like one of those, this is like Diyarbakir, like Istanbul in Turkey where you're just flooded, you know, Beirut, you know, you just all of a sudden have Syrians everywhere. And like that tension between trying to be a a good person and have compassion and empathy and, and want to see these people uh, protected, and then also being somebody who's like, you know, things are difficult enough here as it is, and all of a sudden there are all these other people in here. Yeah. How do you get past the, you know, the the feeling as as someone living in this city of like, Christ, can we provide for everybody? Is that part of the process for you of just like getting to know them to understand like, oh shit, this is this is what they're going through, how it feels like my story, and and then you're just like, okay, you know, we can get through this, we can provide them with what they need. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's there's a lot of big parts to this. I think the biggest one is government. Organization is key, and it didn't happen at first. They were crossing through Mexico, and everybody's like, yeah, like, just go ahead. You, you're going through, right? You're not stopping, so here you go. Right. You get some food. Right. Here's, here's a lunch bag. Here's uh, a lunch bag. That'll good last luck. you to McAllen, Texas, right? <laughs> yeah, so good luck. Uh, but there was no contingency plan. There was the government w- knew it was going to happen, but there was no plan to actually uh, either have a space for them uh, until they were actually here. And and that's and when you react, it's a lot more messy than when you actually think through the details. Right. Uh, so that was a big a big part of it. And there were some missed opportunities in the beginning. Missed opportunities at the beginning. Uh, Tijuana and, and, and its people weren't very happy because of the border thing, that show I, told, I was telling you about. Well, that got the, 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 the border closed a bunch of times, and there's a lot of people that live in Tijuana and work in the States. So, and and that, that shit is still going on, right? The, like the, the closures, which essentially, I mean, obviously the border's open, but yeah. even now, like the lines are longer than ever yeah. getting out back into the States or if you have to go work. It's, well, it's, it's better now. I mean, well, not right now because we're getting close to the holidays and this is a, a, right. the normal. That's that's what you want. You that's want fucking want, yeah. shopping traffic yes, and yes. not just like the U.S. deciding to turn the screw. Trust me. There's no way they're closing the border in December. <laughs> I, I kid you not. Just I don't know. We're, we're getting a, a, a fucking Ph.D. <laughs> in stupid up in the United States. Oh, shit. Uh, I, I've, I've been I've been watching. I've been watching yesterday and today the hearings and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's, I can't it's even. Stupid. It's I so can't stupid. even imagine uh, the masochism that would make you watch those hearings. Uh, I mean, it's 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 interesting to hear the first parts, but then when when you start with the questions, it's just uh, right. 
that's when the hopelessness kind of sets in again. We're we're talking yeah. about the first to, to date it, the first couple days of the uh, impeachment hearings in the House, and it's just like, yeah, I it's of course you're watching it because like as much as Americans are trying to figure out what the hell is going on inside our own house, it affects us too. It affects you guys, and yeah. and you know God. God help any of us, uh, you know, from Tijuana or fucking New York City who are now left to try to read the tea leaves to figure out where it's all going. <laughs> yeah. um, because there's, there doesn't seem to be a, a much of a master plan. But, but so the, the idea that the border was then this like fancy border show went down. Yeah. And then, you know, people got mad uh, up north. They shut the border down, which is like, I mean, it is... It, the border doesn't run through Tijuana, but it kind of does, right? Yeah. I mean, there's like Tijuana without San Diego, San Diego without Tijuana is it's just... just no, it's a region. It's not... I don't know. If, if, if you're in, in San Francisco trying to go to Oakland and imagine they just block it. Yeah. It's, it just doesn't make sense. That's such a trip. I mean, I walked across today and I got two little duffel bags with yeah. me. I was I had by far the most gear because I was in a, it was a line of commuters. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. people who are just like and it was backpack you know, and you're good. Yeah. You just walk up from the jack in the box and then like five minutes you're in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. And that's in the heart of the city. It's not it, like. Right. Yeah. There's a drive to get into Tijuana. No, no. You're, you're immediately there. Yeah. And that that is, uh, you know, I guess the, the strength of the city. And it's so out of your control on some level with what happens with that. So you guys, in that initial phase of people coming north, there was a lot of frustration um, that, that your government wasn't ready and then the, the U.S. government was shutting the border down and, and you must have felt very targeted. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, I don't know if targeted, but a, a lot of people were affected by this. And that's when, when the local society doesn't want something, it, it complicates things a lot more. Because we, we had a, everybody from, from, from Haiti here year like not not that long ago and everything went out when obama was in was in the office was in office and it went a lot smoother hmm. and the people adapt and we have a big haitian community now and i think that's one of the most beautiful things about the city even local even mexicans forget they're immigrants like i'm sorry but if you're from sinaloa if you're from jalisco if you're from oaxaca you're an immigrant. Like right. You, you did not stay where you were born. And, and this city is made out of immigrants. And uh, I, I make it sure I remind people when they start talking shit. Right. Like, yeah, because you're, you're home, right? Like, this right. Is, is this home? Yes. Well, we, we made it home. Your tío was Juana. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're so one you're, of you're, Zaragoza you're, family. You're, yeah, Juana. Exactly. <laughs> no, no doubt. And that's, I mean, it's kind of... Um, to, to pivot a little bit back to the things that make Tijuana special in these kind of amazing ways is like it's always been because of the border, because of the crossroads, because of the, the nature of this town, like it's always been a mix. There's like yeah. there's Asian in the food. There's like there's obviously from Central American, there's indigenous, there's native, there, you know, like all yeah. of this stuff kind of has combined together in ways that that maybe a, a border city gets to have correct and and i get i get a lot of questions about what baja food is and where it's going and i'm like it's evolution and it's it's married to evolution because of where we're located 
there's no way of saying um, Baja food, and especially because we don't have these long, strong roots or or laws like a like an Italian family where you're like, no, like that's not the way you make this sauce. And then you go a block away, and it's like, no, that's not the way. You, see here, or even mole, here there's there's like we break rules when it comes to food. Uh, we play a lot, even with wine. That's why there's a lot, lot of um, different blends in wine here. So you get a, a purist from Italy or France or Spain, and they go just fucking nuts in Baja because how are you mixing a tempranillo with a? Well, yeah, we fuck with pe- with things <laughs> as long as as long as it tastes good, and the the end result is amazing. We, we'll, we're gonna keep playing this game and I don't think it's going to stop and things like this when you get people from Ecuador, El Salvador, Haiti, um, there's even people from like Africa that cross into Southern America and then end up here. Yeah, once Brazil kicked a lot of the African workers yeah, out, then they're exactly. up here. Yeah. So so you can look forward to a lot of like pap style, like starches and like banana based yeah, stuff I mean, and like crab fucking stews from haiti like that's a beautiful thing about yeah globalization we can get a lot of produce and that that is then going to come into so when people ask you where baja food is going you, you can just sort of say well i mean look look who's here and and figure we'll make a cuisine out of that yeah exactly to come and we're, we're blessed with the produce we have here the soil is super nutritious so we have great farms we export almost everything to the states, as far as well. I mean, as far as farming, the fish and this and this the, the sea uh, shellfish and everything that comes from from the ocean, we export to either Japan or the states. There's a lot of good food. So to be a cook here in Baja, I always say it's like fucking cheating because if you if you don't fuck with it, if you, you got the you, cheat code, yeah, yeah, you don't fuck with just the right amount of salt, it, it should be good. How how much do you rely on Valle uh, de Guadalupe, which we're going to tomorrow? It's like um, an hour and forty five south of here. Is that kind of the breadbasket for Tijuana, or is it just Partly. one of the one of the few areas where you? Well, what, one one of the few because it is for restaurants like ours or Georginas or uh, more into not fine. I don't want to say fine dining, but yes, uh, conscious about. A produce and and we can actually put it in the price right so, yeah so you would go to mercado hidalgo which is right next to the tacos we're going tomorrow um or you go or you would order from like central lavastos uh, it's 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 the main channels and everything comes from from either sinaloa sonora down south uh, we get chiles from everywhere uh, we, we're blessed uh big bayless was here not so long ago and we were talking at the market and he's like I love this market because it's one of the the only markets in Mexico where you can get something from everywhere in Mexico. Yeah. And you're like so far away from it. From That's everything. interesting. Yeah. Is it all because it's heading up north and like, and then they yeah. can divert a few trucks to come here, but I there's mean, just a supply chain that's coming through Tijuana constantly anyway. Constantly, constantly. Uh-huh. So, but I mean, the, the bad thing is we always get the, the second hand. <laughs> the ones that aren't going to pass <laughs> The ones that, yeah. that are not good enough to be export well hasn't anybody heard of ugly tomatoes like oh, you know yeah no the, listen i've made a living out of ugly tomatoes <laughs> the beauty pageant is overrated <laughs> i agree uh that's true so 
Okay, but but tell me about Valle and tell me about the farm that we uh, this farm that we're going to tomorrow. So we're going to Sengro. Sengro, uh, it's a project from uh, Wilfrano Ruiz, uh, and he's been making pesto for for like big markets in the U.S. for a long time, and then he started this this big pro- organic farm with a partner. Now he, he has it by himself. He's grown a lot, and he he just brings exotic seeds. And he treats everything in a very different way. So you'll see tomorrow because he's making these, instead of, I don't know, getting an acre of tomatoes or, I don't know, basil, he'll, he's, he's starting this micro climate with, with specific different seeds. So it's like you're in nature and this is how shit happens. So he tries to organize it in a way that he can actually take care of it. But that way the soil will get like nitrogen from one plant and this and calcium and potassium potassium from, from another one. So it's balanced. Okay. So it's 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 very, very interesting. It's and like the three sisters model, but like yeah, it, blown out. Blown out, exactly. And and it's amazing and, and, and the quality of that that product is, is mind blowing and it's second to none. And how how do you relate to to a, a grower like that? You know, do you have? Does he come into the city and you get stuff, or do you go down and and pick it up? Or you know, is, are you starting to build those webs? I guess not just yeah. with Wolfrain, but like other people who are creating that kind of produce. Yeah, it's 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 been happening slowly but surely uh, for the past I want to say five years um, with fishermen, with people raising uh, organic chicken or even ducks or lamb. Like he has lamb that he only feeds um, basil, so you you can only imagine like that's what? their diet. That's their fucking diet. They Jesus. eat basil. I should try that with one of my kids. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm not gonna eat them, but that's amazing. That just seems like someone who'd be so fragrant and like kind of delightful oh, all yeah. the time. You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're talking about the lamb <laughs> or my child. I would just be like smelling his hair like a weirdo the whole time. Oh, my yeah. basil fit child. Uh, yes, yes. Jesus. Okay. So refreshing every time <laughs> I see you. <laughs> uh, just to call him pesto. All right. So that's uh, that's the commitment he's got to like the different pesto. kinds yeah, of... I'm sorry, but now I'm, I'm going to get a dog. I'm, I'm naming, naming a dog pesto. Oh, my God. Name that dog pesto. Uh, Try feeding it only basil. Yeah, and you it's going to be expensive as fuck, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, what I, I think my dog would definitely eat only lambs that were only fed basil. That's probably the only oh, way I could get shit. that. Uh, yeah, that is he's, the, he's the, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's got good taste. That's amazing. Uh, so just like right, having having, I mean, it's funny because like it's got to be so symbiotic. Like you need a restaurant like this that'll support a producer like that. You need a producer like that that yeah. can support a restaurant like that. And you guys can, I guess, you know, slowly, step by step. Yeah, it's slowly and step by step. It's growing. Uh, he, in the case of Sengro, he's distributing distributing in TJ now. So because because he didn't do it for one restaurant. As soon as we had three, four restaurants popping up. Uh, that would get his produce, then he he got a place like a small place here. He's distributing in Tijuana because we used to go to to Valle. There's like there's a lot of good things happening in Valle de Guadalupe. Obviously, restaurants, hotels, uh, wine, but also farms. And unfortunately, now we ha- we don't have to 
right. spend a whole day just. Well, it, you know, and it's interesting too because like Jair uh, Tejas is a, a, yeah. a you know a, a buddy of mine, and and yeah. I, I, his you know flagship at Laja is like yeah. he's like it's out there, it's oh, in yeah. the stuff, and like it's interesting to try to think about like well, what does that restaurant look if like if it's in the city, you know, uh-huh. uh, in a very different vibe. I, it feels like that would be a real success to be able to bring that kind of like, you know, country table uh, excellence like here in the middle of all this craziness. Yeah, well, I think it's like having the French Laundry in Yontville and then going to San Francisco. Right. That's how it should work. Yeah. That's how it's working here. Correct. All right, you mentioned you've got a, a six-year-old child named Pesto. Or, <laughs> or <laughs> now what, now what, he's named Pesto. He <laughs> will soon be named Pesto. Yeah. What, do you, what do you want this city to look like for him? Like, uh, what, what do you think? Uh, first of all, I want it to be safe. So for it to be safe, I think a lot of Tijuanenses or Tijuanos, we have to be proud of it and, and take care of it and make sure everything we make is in a good way. That way it brings in money. That way, the city and the government takes care of it because there's interest for them. Um, so, number one, it should be safe. Number two, I want them to be proud of being from here, um, being a cross-border kid. Um, because we're, we're, we're weird. That's the, it's, it's just a thing. Uh, people don't get that we speak English and Spanish in the same fucking sentence. It's, we think in English and Spanish at the same time and it can get confusing uh, confusing at times but but it's a lifestyle and I think it's a it's a it's a big tool to have also um, especially when we travel so much but I just wanted to enjoy life I just wanted to do whatever he wants my dad is an accountant so you can just imagine when I told him I wanted to be a chef and it wasn't it wasn't like now because now everybody wants to be a fucking chef because they see magazines and shows and 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 it's very popular, but uh, not back in the day. But he 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 made me go through a couple of jobs just to make sure I really liked it. Yeah, which uh, this is something that I would say to anyone that that is thinking about getting into anything, not just a restaurant, especially in a restaurant or in the kitchen. But before you go and waste your money in a school, go fucking work for free. It doesn't matter what you want to learn. Just get your hands into it, and then you'll know if it's for you. Right. And he made sure, <laughs> trust me, he made fucking sure that I got that because um, I was working from 6.30 to 3 here in Tijuana, and then I was doing a stars and an Italian restaurant in San Diego from 5 to 11. Get out. Yeah. So you so work after a here, months, cross the border, come back. Come back, like almost falling asleep. Uh, I was 18, and uh, yeah. That that was for like a couple of months, and then he's like, "All right, I believe you," because <laughs> <laughs> that's a really crazy schedule you're on, and so yeah, yeah, and, and you're work. still happy and and yeah, and enjoying this, yeah. But just like he has always supported me and my craziness and my because I'm always I've always dreamt big, and he's like, "You're you're crazy, Rufo. Like, you're just fucking crazy. How?" Because this, like this, this was my, like my bucket list for la- last year. I was like, number one, I got to cook for Barack Obama. <laughs> okay. That, that was that was last year. I wasn't even close to it. I think I got pretty close later in the year. 
Um, you wanted to cook for him. Yeah, I wanted to. Did cook it for happen? Him. No, it didn't. Okay. Uh, well, he's still alive. He's still I know eating. He is. I know he's still eating, and he eats at a couple of uh, Jose Andres's places in Washington. That is true. Yeah. So, okay. so I'm getting close to it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's just one example of me thinking, like, why not? Right. Why not? I was like, you know, like this. This seems like a very cool guy. A guy that's genuinely wanting to do good things like i you got my respect i would love to cook for you and and that's and that's how i i feel for him and and maybe like other big names in the world yeah I'm like, i would love to cook for them all right barack you listening <laughs> Op- open that dinner <laughs> spot that dinner well spot. come down to oryx yeah i mean uh, you can walk through the border in like five minutes and you're right there <laughs> yeah 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 it's super safe <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's, uh, you know, it's funny. It's like you're always thinking like, well, what should I get my child to do? What would I like to see them be? And then I forget often that the, the real and only like valid answer to that is you should probably just do your do you, you know, like yeah. as a parent, if you're doing what you like to do and you're modeling that kind of like, you know, wild eyed intensity about your own life and and living then you know that's probably the a, a much better way of getting them on that track than just sort of you yeah know, it's show I, not tell yeah i think i think you you get i was talking about this with a friend and i think you're lucky when you find the way to like, when you find you find your passion uh in life and if you find it earlier it's so much better and easier because you're already working towards something, uh, and and it, in general, it's it's not easy to get to it because the expectations are to do either what your dad does or the family business or whatever is in front of you or social things. Uh, but when you find your passion, then the the path is already there. You just have to start working uh, towards it. And I was lucky enough to find it, I don't know, when I was 15, 16. And after, after that, that whole experience with my dad, he went, you know what, I believe you. And once you're there, you just don't stop. You just, you just don't stop. Even if you don't sleep, it, it, even if you're sleeping, it's in, it's in your head. And it makes life a lot, a lot easier. There we go. That's the place to leave it because... We've got service. It's coming up. <laughs> you were yeah, talking about working. Now you get to go and I, I, feed people. Yeah, and I, I'm also expecting you to eat. So uh, I'm definitely ready for that. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. I'm super psyched to uh, to have this meal. Thank you so much, Rufo. I'm I'm really glad to be in Tijuana. Glad to be here with you. No, likewise. Thank you for coming down. The trip from Roads and Kingdoms is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg. Alexa Van Sickle is our producer. Music by Dan the Automator, episode illustration by Daisy D. Show artwork by Adele Rodriguez. Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. Next week, I'm sitting down and shotgunning Mezcal with a fellow journalist, Jorge Nieto, who tells me, among other things, some ridiculously good stories about reporting on the Sinaloa cartel. We will meet you there. <laughs>